You guys can be seated. If it hasn't been said before, um, and welcome to our, our Good Friday service. Um, as we get together and to look and reflect upon the cross, as we've uh, we've been on a journey, uh, as we've had readings and, and prayers. I don't know if you guys caught it, uh, but we started all the way back in in Genesis chapter three, uh, when it was a very much a a dark day. Uh, when humanity decided to take matters into their own hands, and yet God continually pursued his, his people. Uh, and we see there right there in 315 that he makes a promise uh, that there would be one to come to crush the serpent's head. And then we got to Numbers 21, and Moses is lifting up a fiery serpent. Those that had been bitten, uh, those who had been, uh, got the poison within them, the, the, their healing would be the one to, to be to look and live to the one uh, who would be lifted up, that would John 3 would, would say. And then we read Isaiah 53. So I just want to just kind of point to that before we jump into the book of Hebrews, specifically Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be uh, this, this evening, is this, this journey of, of going from the beginning all the way to say that Jesus um, is the better sacrifice. If there's one word to summarize the book of Hebrews, it is this. It's the word better. Throughout the whole entire book, like through chapter through chapter, uh, the author is saying that Jesus is the better Moses, Jesus is the better priest, Jesus is better, the better, is better than the Old Testament system, and on this Good Friday, we'll see that Jesus is the better sacrifice. This bloody, rugged cross of Jesus teaches us that life is found by laying it down, by denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Jesus on this narrow path. So tonight, this Good Friday, we look to the cross, to the one who inconvenienced himself so that we could be in a relationship with best, with the best and the, the better. That's what the author of Hebrews would say. So our main point this evening and my only point, and everybody said amen for just one point, just one point this evening, and it's this, is that Jesus, our faithful snake crusher, provides confidence in the dark provides confidence in the dark on this dark day. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. The word of the Lord says this. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. If you have any background or any understanding of the Old Testament, there were so many sacrifices uh, that were there in the Old Testament that they, they had to do in order to atone for sin. I mean, look at the book of Leviticus, or uh, the, maybe not the big book of, yeah, look, it's in the Bible, we should probably read it. Like, we should look at the book of Leviticus and see that there was this whole system uh, that God had in place in order for him to dwell with his people and for his people to come before him. But when you look in the Old Testament, there was definitely no recliners in the temple. There was no chairs. There was nobody, like, there, there, there wasn't any, like, sitting down action going on because work, it had to be done. Sin had to be atoned for. But yet the Bible says, according to, Jesus, according to this, Hebrews chapter 10, that Jesus, he sits, he sits down. Very similar to when you get to the end of your day and you got the kids in, 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 you know, you got the kids in the bed, the people are fed, and you go to sit down to maybe grab some Netflix or gra- gra- grab some time on the couch, and you finally sit down, and, you, and you're watching it, and then you hit a commercial break, and then you start looking around, and you start noticing like, oh man, my floors are kind of dirty. Oh man, dishes are in the sink. 
Oh man, I haven't dusted in a while. I don't think I've ever dusted in my entire, uh, not saying the entire life, but since I moved in my house, because uh, I just, I, like, the, the, the dusting is not kind of what I do. Like, we, when we sit down, like, already in our broken world, we are seeing things that there's always work to be done. But church, when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our eternal security, when it comes to new life, Jesus has sat down. The work is complete. It's, it's, it is finished, as he would say, on the cross. But when Jesus willingly laid down his life, the Bible says that he, he sat down because the work is complete. So some of us are coming in tonight maybe drowning with the pressures of life. And like we're wondering, uh, what, maybe what is, where is their life? We can't seem to get to the top on our own. But this is why Jesus plunged into our broken world, not to take us out of it, but to be our breath and to sustain us in the midst of it. Jesus gave up his breath so that we could find our breath in him. And because Jesus sits, we too can sit down on the inside, knowing that our king is ruling and reigning for his glory and our, and our joy. Rather than standing up on our own, we look to him through the one who has seated and to sit with him, our king and our conqueror who's come for us. But on this dark day, on this Good Friday, this one that would come, the one, the shouts that we talked about on Palm Sunday, the one that would, that would say, Hosanna in the highest tonight, they're saying, they're saying crucify because Jesus didn't deliver on the expectations that they had and that they were expecting Jesus to fulfill for them. And from the very beginning, from that, from in, in 1 Samuel, the, the Bible talks about that the, that the people came to Samuel and said, Samuel, we want a king. We want somebody to, to rule over us. Like the other nations. The other nations got this going on where we've got this expectation of what a king should be, and we want that. And Samuel goes to the Lord, disappointed, prays to him, and God says, Hey, give them over. Listen to the people's voices. They've not rejected you, but they've rejected me as their king. Church, what expectations and preferences are we putting on Jesus? This evening, because if our eyes don't look and live, Numbers 21, if our eyes don't look up to the cross, if we don't look horizontally, then we're going to be distracted horizontally and fall into the trap of comparison and miss what Jesus has in store, which is mainly himself. Have we rejected the king and maybe not even known it? Because if Jesus suffered to bring about good, if this was part of this plan, part of this Good Friday, who are we to think that we would be beyond suffering? But it's in suffering and death, this Good Friday, that he gained life. Jesus was whipped in order to win over sin and death. Jesus endured a crown of thorns so that we could be crowned in glory. Jesus was mocked with a purple robe so we could be robed with his righteousness. Jesus was tortured to be our treasure. Jesus was spit on so we could be showered by his grace. Jesus was forsaken so we could be found. Should I keep going, church? Jesus was betrayed so we could belong. Jesus was alone so we could be present with him. Jesus was nailed to a cross so our hearts could be nailed to his. Jesus was thirsty and so to quench our thirst. Jesus hung on a tree to set us free. Jesus took on the dark so we could abide in the light. On this dark day, on this Good Friday, Jesus, our faithful snake crusher, provides confidence in the dark. 
when it's dark. Hebrews 10 continues to go on. The author writes, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For all the sacrifices that took place in the Old Testament, Jesus comes along and is the ultimate mic dropper. Y'all, he's the ultimate who gave one single offering. He's perfected not just for some time, but he's perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified, that we have been made perfect by Jesus, fit for the king, robed in righteousness, but yet we're still in process. But here's the good news, church, is that because of the cross and because of Calvary, we can say no to sin and yes to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus tonight, if you don't have a relationship with him, the Bible says that we are in chains and that we are in bondage and there's nothing else that we can do besides say yes to sin. But we look to the cross, church, tonight because this is our confidence. This is where I find a confidence that because of what Jesus has done, because of what he has taken place, because he stood there in our place, we can say no to sin, no to disobedience, and say yes to him. This single offering of his life, it provides so much. But the text says this, verse 15, the Holy Spirit bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. In this one offering, a quote from Jeremiah 31, by the way, because Jesus is fulfilling even Old Testament prophecy there on the cross. And in his life, in that single offering, he's made us right with God. He internally makes us new. He eternally secures our salvation. And here's the one I want just want just to land on. is that He provides total and complete forgiveness of sin. Total, complete forgiveness of sin. I want to just, just hone in on that and ask the question, is what sin in your past or in the present do you need to embrace that has been forgiven? If your past, present, what's, what, what sin in your life has crept up in you and you just kind of getting the best of you where shame has creeped in, where do you need to see that in light of Calvary tonight? As being totally and completely forgiven because shame keeps us living out who we already are in Jesus. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus went to the cross to despise shame, to do away with it so that we wouldn't live in it. And Psalm 103 says as far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. So far as the old, the old is gone and the new is here, for you have died and you are hidden in Christ Jesus. Church, there's no need to beat yourself up tonight. There's no need to feel like you're simply scum or dirty. Because in that, if we lean into the shame at some point, at some level, we'll diminish the work of Jesus and diminish the work of the cross and discredit what he says of you, which is actually his beloved and his delight if you are in, if you are in him. Jesus, our faithful snake crusher, he provides confidence in the dark. Therefore, verse 19, brothers, since we have this confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, we have confidence tonight, church. Confidence to approach God, not just like in a holy places, but in the holiest of holiest of places, the, ho- the, the, most, the most holy if you know, have any understanding of the temple of the layout, there was a progression in order to get closer to God. 
There were sacrifices that were being made. And in, in order for those to, to enter the Holy of Holies, like you, you got to be up there in rank to get up in there. But the Bible says that we have confidence to draw near because of the blood of Jesus. This confidence, if you're an Old Testament saint reading this, you would have thought, confidence to, 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 to meet and commune with God? That's only for the special people. But because of Calvary, because of Good Friday this evening, we have a, a Savior who is to commune with us. And this is our assurance. And this is our confidence. And we have this assurance and we have this confirmation because even while Jesus was hanging on a tree, y'all remember the story, y'all remember that as he was hanging on the tree, that the curtain in the temple, it tears in two, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. And this curtain just ain't some curtain you picked up at Hobby Lobby. This curtain is massive. It's 60 feet long. It's 20 feet wide. It's as thick as, 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 as your palm of your hand. And this, this, this curtain was ripped open to give us direct access to God. While Jesus is on the cross, in the midst of defeat, quotation marks, in the midst of him losing, he's winning. The, turtin, the curtain is tearing in two. Not only is the curtain tearing, but the rocks are splitting open. Remember this? The, the, while on the cross, rocks are splitting open. The earth is shaking because if we remember back in Palm Sunday, Jesus said, hey, if these people aren't going to shout my worth, the stones are going to cry out. What happened? Fast forward to Good Friday. Here he is on the cross. He ain't getting no praise. He's alone. He's forgotten. He's forsaken. Ain't no one giving him praise in the, pre- in, in the presence of slaughter. The rocks can't help but burst, y'all. And that's exactly what happens to our heart. Because we have a heart of stone that can't, that can't on its own burst open to be sensitive to who God is. God's got to do a work in us. So listen, church, there may be someone in your family who's got a heart of stone. Jesus breaks the rocks. And because he breaks the rocks, the physical rocks, he breaks spiritual hearts and my spiritual heart. And I pray that he'd break your heart that beats and longs for him. He's the rock breaker. And he's the one who was broken for us to make us whole. This is what he does. And so if you, that's, that's you this evening. If you're feeling distant, you feel like, I don't know about this whole relationship with Jesus thing. Look to Calvary. Look to the one who pursued us and has a hope of change. He's our only hope. And for those that may have people that don't know Jesus and you've been praying for them and you have family members and you have kids and you have neighbors who are longing, you are longing for them to know Christ, look to Calvary and look at the rocks breaking open. Keep at it, church. Keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for those who may be cold and hard because when Jesus shows up, he melts the heart of stone and puts a heart in us that beats in, lo- in line with his heart. Jesus, our faithful snake crusher, he provides confidence in the dark. And since we have this great high priest who is over the house of God, the Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. From the very beginning, God has gone on record in drawing closer to his people and wanting to commune with them, to dwell among them. So the main question that maybe we should ask ourselves is not what are you doing for God, but how is your sitting with God? How is your lingering with God? How is your communing? How is your sitting? Because Jesus sits, he invites us at the table to sit, which we'll celebrate here in just a moment. 
And I know this verse has been read in our Lenten journey, but I just want to point out it just one more time. Psalm 27 says that David says of himself, King David, which if you're king, you could ask for a lot of things. But David asked for one thing. This one thing was to, to, that he was going to seek after, that he would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, and that he would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This didn't get old for David. This, and I wonder, the question is, is, is this communion, is this relationship with Jesus, has we taken something that has been miraculous and drifted into just complacency, into mundane? The curtain's been torn, rocks have been breaking open. Jesus has come after us to pursue us. And he invites us to draw near to him. And the question I want to ask us is, what is preventing us from drawing near to Jesus? What's hindering us in our walk? Is it self-righteousness? Is it legalism? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it bitterness? Is it entitlement this morning, or this evening, sorry, that we're, that's, that's preventing us from, from pursuing the Lord and coming to the cross? Because in God's kindness in view, because it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. In his kindness, he invites us to come. Split arm, arms split wide open as we prayed in hopes that we would come to him because Jesus, our faithful snake crusher, he provides confidence in the dark. And because this is true, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised, he's faithful. We need confessions. We need call to worships. We need apostles' creeds. We, 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 need, we, we need confessions in our life because if we not, are not going to be reminded of the truth, church, we we can easily drift into every wave and wind of doctrine. But we need reminders. And so what we're going to do this evening as we close out this Good Friday is we're going to end on a note of communion, which, which, which is a confession. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to look to Jesus and remember what he's done for us because that's what he commands us to do in communion, that we would commune with him at table because Jesus sits. He invites us to sit down. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. I'm going to pray for us as we prepare for the table. And as soon as I say amen, if you have dropped off uh, your child uh, in the toddler area or in the pre-K, I would invite you uh, and actually, yeah, encourage you to go get your kid um, when they start playing so that our servers can be a part of, of communion this, this evening. Let me pray. God, we are grateful that you came running after us. God, when we were running the other way, God, you pursued us. And God, I think the most tempting thing is for us to look at the cross and, and not want to get near it. But God, we come near to the cross because you invite us to come to die, to die to preference, to die to our own expectations. God, to, to die to anger. God, there's, there may be some anger in us because you're not meeting our expectations. You're not meeting our expectations because you're working for our good. So if we're suffering this evening, we're in good company because we look to the one who suffered for us. Jesus, you are our snake crusher and you provide us confidence in the dark. So as we prepare for table, as we get ready to, to sit down with you in a sense, God, may we just take a moment as, 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 a, as we walk through your word to deal with whatever 
you're bringing to the surface. Maybe it's a sin of our past that is haunting us and it's attempting to shame us. Maybe we just need to name that in our soul and say, nope, that's been forgiven. I'm forgiven and free. The old is gone, new has come. As far as the east is from the west, has no longer a hold on me. Or maybe we just, we're struggling. We just say, like, Jesus, we need your help. We need to live in light of these realities. But only you make that possible. You're our snake crusher, our rock breaking opener, earthquake in God while on the cross. We love you. And we remember you. In your name I pray.